Hi, everybody, and welcome to That's Life, the show where we are still waiting for our tickets to the DNC because clearly our passes to the RNC never came, and that must have been an oversight. Good afternoon, folks, and thanks for listening. I am Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, and general manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday at 2 p.m. as I hope to bring you a little entertainment, a little news, and a little relief that the life you are leading is not nearly as wacky as mine. Listen to those sirens go by. Not coming for me. Let's make that clear. Coming to you from the home of the Nachum Siegel Network on the beautiful Lower East Side, I am joined today by my handy-dandy partner. Hello, Avram. How's it going? Thank you. How's it going? That was pretty mellow of you. How's it going? I've been here for many hours. <laughs> You've had it? You ready to go home? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Your day also starts, I mean, as much as my day starts early, that's by choice. Your day starts early because of your commute. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, by the way, no bread. No, There are popums on the desk. I brought, um, actually, some sardines and these whole grain crackers. Are you messing with me? No, I'm into sardines. Actually, I really like them with shmura matzah, but I don't have any of that since Pesach is long gone, so I found these great whole grain crackers with seeds and things in it. One second. One second. I mean, shoot. One second. You have sardines in this office right now. In a now. can. Now, yeah. yeah, clearly they're not swimming. I appreciate that. No East River, uh, stop by the East River before you came here. So you're going to have sardines. You prefer them with shmura matzah, and you were t- telling me this totally dead seriously. Yeah. Okay. All right. You know what? I want you to know you should... <laughs> this is... This is this could be a column. I'm just I grew up you. with this in Montreal, you know, back in the day. I thought you were a New Yorker. Yeah, but my grandparents are in Montreal, so we used to go every summer Pesach. Really? Yep. Sardines and shmur matzah in Montreal with seltzer. Stop it. <laughs> okay, you know what? I can't make this stuff up. I say that all the time, but I really can't make this stuff up. You should know, by the way, when I parked in a, I was in a parking spot the other day. <coughs> Excuse me, a parking spot the other day, and I happened to look at the what was going on in the car next to me. Besides the fact that the back seat was filled with stuff, I mean, my car isn't always the cleanest thing ever, but with six kids, sometimes it looks like we live in our in my car. There were boxes, boxes of of sh- of shmur matzah in this guy's back seat, like open, half open, like pieces and whatever. I'm like, oh, dude, <laughs> gotta get the shots of matzah out of your back seat in August. It's not okay, but uh, I mean, I was waiting for this guy to come back or this woman to come back so I could say, uh, you know, some some people really. Don't hold <laughs> that you should be eating shmur matzah in August. But um, they never came back. I was actually sitting in there for a while just staring at the shmura. But next time I know, I should break in and get you a couple pieces. Thank you. You could crisp those babies right up in the <laughs> oven. <laughs> anyway, you know, we can close the show now because this is pretty <laughs> funny. But anyway, uh, if you are a new listener to the show, thank you for taking a break from your day to tune in. And if you are a returning listener, thanks as always for making us part of your day. If Miriam L. Wallach once a week is just not enough for you, Please, 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 please do what Avrami does, even though he doesn't really tell anybody. Visit me on my blog at DearThat'sLife.com. Friend me on Facebook or send me an invite on LinkedIn. You can also shoot me an email at Miriam at DearThat'sLife.com. I will not respond to you during the show, but I will, please God, try and get back to you afterwards. Let's get to our favorite segment, which might be, our new favorite segment might be, what is Avrami eating today? (laughs) Who knew? But let's get to the fortune cookie. Here we go. They're authentic. They're real. I got six more yesterday. I ate one on the way here. That's why there are only five in the bag. Hold on. Stand by. Oh, all right. That's going to be messy. Think of the danger while things are going smoothly. Oh, what? What's so negative? Oh, my gosh. He just pulled out the can of sardines and the crackers. Wow. This this entire show has not taken a left. 
Um, I don't, this is such a negative way of looking at it. I don't like this fortune cookie. I'm not into this one. Think of the danger while things are going smoothly. How about just enjoying the smooth? How about just enjoying, I'm taking another one. I don't like the, I don't like that fortune. And you know what? I get to choose as many fortunes as I want. It's my show. Hold on. Let's take another one. This one says, oh, this is also messy. I'm going to need like a dust buster in here. If you develop the habits of success, you will make success a habit. Now, now that, now I'm talking. This is good stuff. If you develop the habits of success, you will make success a habit. I'm going to put this next to the other ones that I've posted here uh, in the studio, which I think are going to eventually annoy ZK when he sees that I've been posting them all over the place. <laughs> You're nodding over me. Are they annoying you? Are they in your way? You don't even see them. All right, so then I'm moving on. Today, let's talk. Let's take care of some business. Today it is National Toasted Marshmallow Day. Hey, uh, in general, I'm not a marshmallow girl, but I'll take one for the team and dig in. We will have to talk to Naomi Nachman about this later. It is also Be Kind to Humankind Week. I'm not exactly sure why we need a week for this, but I guess somebody should really tell Assad. It's also National Safe at Home Week. I'm all about that, hence the need for my Louisville Slugger that I keep next to my bed. And since we went to uh, MCU Park last week or two weeks ago for Bat Day, I now have bats in every color to match different outfits. I know, not too shabby. If I have an intruder in the middle of the night, I can... Pick whichever color I want. It's also, Avram, you ready for this? It's National Holistic Pet Week. I don't know what that means. I don't, stop it, put the sardine can away. First of all, sardines, never a pet. Um, but I don't know what that means, honestly. I'd welcome your responses. Please email me at miriam at nachamsegel.com or miriam at dearthatslife.com. National Holistic Pet Week. I would love to hear what you have to say about that. But this does, this does lead into the story for the week, which is pretty crazy. You can check out my blog, especially tomorrow. Funny things happen all the time. As you know, crazy follows me everywhere without exception. It happened this week as I was getting my nails done in the very, very quiet, sleepy town, otherwise uh, otherwise sleepy town of Hewlett, New York, which is, you know, one of the five towns. Um, I was getting my nails done, and I will try and tell the story in the same spirit that the story actually happened, which means that the woman I was interacting with had an incredibly heavy Long Island accent. So I apologize in advance if you think I'm making fun of anyone, but I really can't tell the story in the same vein without imitating her a little bit. Anyway, I'm getting my nails done, and all of a sudden I hear this woman going going on and on behind me, and she starts screaming. She's all, Avram, you're going to have to watch the uh, levels for this because it's going to get loud. She's always on the phone. She's, uh, she's like a serial caller. She goes from one call to the next. She never, I had to get her her own plan because she's going over minutes every single month. I had to get her her own unlimited plan. She's constantly going over. She stops for a second and then she goes, Ma, get off the phone. We all turn and it's her mother. She's yelling at her mother. You could think she was talking about one of her own kids. No, she was yelling at her mother. So the entire store turns and sees her mother, who must have been in her 60s, sitting there with her phone literally plastered against the side of her head. And the daughter, who must have been in her 40s, continues and she goes ma you like a kardashian the way your phone is attached to your head get off the who you on the phone with and she's going on and on i look at the woman next to me and i said ultimate insult being compared to a kardashian so like everyone's talking about this and this this 40 year old woman continues to rant about her mother and her mother's sitting there she hears everything she doesn't care anyway we move over to the place where you know the little drying area and the mother gets off, the grandmother, I should say, gets off the phone. And she turns to her 40-year-old daughter, who, again, is sitting next to me. And she says, Sam and Lulu are on their way here. 
So the daughter says, okay, tell Sam I will wait for them. We will wait for them here until they get here. And I'm just sitting there. I'm waiting for the next shoe to drop. And she turns to me and she goes, Sam is my daughter. Lulu is the dog. <laughs> I said, okay. You know, she says, my daughter is house-sitting a dog for the doctor she works for. The doctor went to bring his son to college. I'm like, okay, that's great. She goes, and the dog needs to be taken out of the house an hour a week, for an hour a day for recreation. And I said, you mean like walking the dog? She goes, no, the dog needs an activity for an hour a day. It's not enough just to walk the dog. The dog has to go somewhere, the pampered princess that she is. And I said, the dog needs like like an out, like an extracurricular activity kind of an hour. She goes, oh, yeah, the dog goes out. And she's, uh, you can't see me, but I am very much gesticulating with my hands. The dog goes out for an hour. And I said, okay. And she goes, and the dog has a car seat. And I said, the dog has a car seat? Now, I am not a pet person. And I'm sure if you're a pet person, you completely understand the need for the dog to have a car seat. But frankly, since I know when I was a kid, I wasn't in a car seat when we were driving around when I was, you know, six months old. I don't really get this. But anyway, so she goes, oh, yeah, the dog has a car seat because there was an incident on their block one time when somebody was driving without the dog in a car seat and it went out the window. <laughs> not Trying not to laugh. So somebody else who was sitting at the table goes, hey, maybe you guys just want to drive with the windows closed. And I started just laughing. Anyway, so the woman, the 40-year-old woman continues and she goes, oh, no. And my mother... My mother, sitting right there, she has a stroller for her three cats. And she takes them for walks. And I looked at her and I said, Ma, the first people in the neighborhood know me. You can't walk around with the stroller with the three cats. And the mom goes, oh, no, it's, oh, it's okay because now they know it's me. Now they come up, they see the cats, they come over, they pay attention. She's like, it's not weird anymore. And I'm sitting here going, oh, no, this is, this is pretty weird. I got to be honest with you. And the, the grandmother then continues about how wonderful her cats are. She goes, my cats are great. They're wonderful. They're almost like dogs. <laughs> I said, you know what? That's the ultimate compliment for a, for a cat to be told it's just as good as a dog. So she says, no. She goes, I'm serious. She goes, I, and I have one cat. One of them sleeps on me all night. And I said, sleeps on you? She goes, yeah, sometimes even sleeps on my head. I said, sleeps on your head all night. And she said, oh, yeah. She goes, sleeps on my head all night. I said, you know, if you treat them this well, they're never going to move out when they're older. So she started laughing. And I said, and she goes, no. And sometimes, even if I have to get up in the ba- you know, in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, I won't go because I don't want to wake the cat. And I looked at the daughter and she goes, oh, yeah, she's so serious. She won't get up to go. She doesn't want to wake the cat. She goes, but my daughter, Sam, she totally understands this because they're cat people and dog people. They're animal people. She goes, must have skipped a generation because I don't understand this at all. And I said, Okay, you know, I'm just sitting here enjoying the moment, knowing that this is why God gave me a column. This is why God gave me a radio show. To the extent, the beautiful part of all this is when the the mother says, if you don't think this can get better, by the way, here's the line. The mother says, but you have to know, my cats are so great. They're not like the typical cats where everyone says the cats rule your life. She goes, I am still in charge. I, it's not that kind of thing. And the daughter goes, oh, yeah, Ma, you're really running this ship. You won't get up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, but you're really the one in charge. That's it. That's when I totally lost it. And I'm sobbing. <laughs> I cry from laughter. And I looked at this woman. And I'm like, you are really funny. She goes, it's not funny. It's my life. And I'm like, yeah, I know exactly how you feel. Anyway, if you want to read more about that, you can read it. You can check it out tomorrow. It'll be, uh, please God, posted on my blog at some point tomorrow before Shabbos. But yes, you just can't make this stuff up. Anyway, you're listening to That's Life.
We are here at the home of the Nachum Siegel Network on the Lower East Side. I am Miriam L. Wallach, and I'm joined by my first guest, who has been patiently waiting, <laughs> listening to this story. But as he knows, these stories abound. We have Michael Orbach joining me today. He's a writer living in New York. He's a former editor-in-chief of the Jewish Star newspaper. He's a contributor to Tablet, the Jewish Week, the JTA, and the Forward. He's currently working on a book, and he is happy. What's going on? <laughs> Are you happy because you weren't involved in that story? Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> Could you imagine? I uh, Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure. I love having you around. And I'd just like to say that you have an incredibly authentic Long Island accent. <laughs> Does it come out late at night? No, you, you when, when you drink too much, like the inner Long Island Miriam Wallach comes out. It's not bad, right? It's it's very authentic. Thank you. I kind of felt like a little bit, I know it is in Long Island, kind of a little bit on the Jersey Shore there. You're oh, gonna, really? They kind of merge sometimes. Yeah, I, I hear that. I Actually, I told this story uh, a couple of days ago to Mayor Fertig, and he was hysterical. And he said to me, he said, did you tell this story on the air yet? I said, no, I haven't yet. And he's like, you need to do that, and you need to video it and post it on Facebook because it's hysterical. And I said, I can't, you can't make this stuff up. And for people who know me, they know I'm not. This stuff, I'm just a magnet. I actually really want to go to your nail place and get my nails and <laughs> to hear this story with the the the, uh, the real Long Island accents. Yeah, I, I mean, I do. A, it's you a, do a pretty good yeah, job. Yeah, thank you. It's it's incredible. I kind of want to meet the stars themselves. I know. I'm a little bit afraid to put it in the paper and then sit next to them next week and then say to me, "How'd you put that in there? It's not so funny." I I just want to see the cats in the stroller, honestly. Have you ever? Then somebody told me, by the way, that she had a stroller for her rabbit. This other woman who I'm friends with, who's. Well, yeah. you know, I don't know if you can be friends with someone after they admit that. That's kind of like some horrible, sordid secret that oh. only comes out late at night. Yeah, she not only does she have a rabbit that she had a stroller for, but the rabbit died a little a little while ago, and we haven't stopped making dead rabbit jokes at my house. Just charming, right? Charming, very, charming, charming, repeating lines in the Wallach household. <laughs> but anyway, enough about me, Michael. Tell you know, for a while you were my boss. Very short while. But that's all right. It was good we had a good time. We did have a good time. You did great stuff with the Jewish Star while you were still there. Tell us what you've been up to since. So I finished my tenure at the Jewish Star as the editor-in-chief on uh, about March 2000, not this past year, the year before that. I don't know what year that was anymore. <laughs> 2000? I, I, no, not 2000. That so was 2011? The, about then. Okay. And uh, I think it was actually 2010, perhaps, but I could be off. No, yeah. 2011, I think you're actually correct. Yeah. Um, and after that, I uh, did a little bit of soul searching, did a mm. lot of freelance work. I ended up landing, uh, I had written a book in the past, and I ended up landing an agent for my book. So I took some time off to start working on that to polish it up to send to publishers, which we did in September. And once that went out, I moved to Israel for about six months to do some more soul searching, I guess. I actually lived with a homicidal cat in light of your... Oh, that's right! I remember yeah. you told me something about that. Yeah, rather evil cat. I uh, lived with some roommates in Baca, tried to learn Hebrew. I kind of had this realization that uh, I wouldn't, I definitely wanted to try to live in a different country. Okay. And admittedly, Israel really isn't that much of a different different country. Right. If you'd gone to Renana, you really would have just... I just would have been home. But I was yeah. in Baca, which is very, very similar to that. Um, I tried to learn Hebrew. I attempted to do that. Didn't really work out so well. I also started working on a second book, which is part of the reason why I went away mm -hmm. to start developing new ideas and see what I could do there. And I got back about three months ago, maybe by now. And uh, I found work as I was a Jewish press. I was the New York correspondent for the Jewish press for about a month. And after that, I ended up working for NCSY and the Orthodox Union, where I'm currently working part-time. 
And I just had a piece in Tablet most recently about uh, orthodoxy and anorexia. Yeah, it's an actually it's a fantastic piece. You know, talking about um, talking about writing books, um, some is which to me is an incredibly daunting task. I could never, I could never attempt, even though it's not something that's completely off the mark for something that I would do, but it's something I can't imagine. What's that process like? Um, well. How, how is it different, I guess, would be, you know, probably the most immediate question. How is it different from just writing a piece that goes up on tablet or goes to the Jewish press? That's a very, very good question. I, I started actually writing fiction years ago, far before I wanted to become a journalist or even thought about writing anything for a newspaper or anything like that. It's very, very different. I would say, I mean, I've been fortunate in my tenure as a journalist that I've been blessed with really good editors. I mean, I worked under Mayor Fertig, right. who was phenomenal, and it really gave me a different idea of how to write much sharper and clearer than I did before as a writer. When you write a piece of fiction, no one sees the fiction for a very long time. It kind of sits and lives inside your head for a very long time. And eventually it comes out, but it's very, very different than if it actually ever does come out. That's a big if. Mm. Than a piece of journalism where you get a response very quickly and you know you've done something right. You have more time with a piece of fiction. You get to play with sentences and try to develop an element of what you want the story to convey. I mean, in journalism, or longer pieces in journalism, you have that uh, ability too, but I mean, most working journalists don't have that leisure, that ability. The most recent piece I did for Tablet, uh, which was about, as I said, orthodoxy and anorexia, was I think kind of a fusion of the two styles of writing. I mean, I think it's probably one of the best pieces I've done uh, in my short career so far, but it was telling a basic narrative. It was telling a story about how one orthodox woman dealt with a really serious bout of anorexia and how she eventually, I mean, happily overcame it and to where she is now. So that was sort of, in many ways, like writing a story. But they're very different. Um, I find writing to be much, much more daunting, fiction, I mean, than writing journalism. Because, I mean, you have... Journalism has various elements of it that make it easier to do, mainly a deadline. Mm -hmm. You have to get a story out or someone else right. is going to do it. So in that case, you need to write it down, and you just need to write it regardless of form, and eventually you'll shape it later, whereas fiction can be anything, and there's the sheer range of possibilities you can employ is in many ways frightening and defeating. Defeating? Yeah. Defeating? I mean, it almost sounds like that uh, my first fortune cookie. Uh, well, actually, speaking of fortune cookies, uh, I <laughs> thought your fortune cookie was pretty negative, right. but I have to tell you, uh, I had one that said you will be invited to a karaoke party. no. I did, I did. It was, it was very impressive. I hope you asked for another one. I didn't actually get invited to a karaoke party. It was even worse. Oh, that is terrible. The, um, the, the, the interesting thing to me about um, writing fiction, which is, again, something that I have never, I have never tried, um, is that you know, you're, you're not dealing with these facts that are, uh, from a reporter's standpoint, the bread and butter of what you're doing. It is the who, what, where, when, and why. You're formulating all of that. So it must really take and I, I, I hope this comes out right, like the other side of your brain, to shift, to turn off the reporter and say, I'm going to make everything, this is a tabula rasa that I'm creating, and then I'm going to put it on paper. It's a, I mean, I wrote my first book when I was uh, a yeshiva student, actually. Really? Uh, yeah, when I was back in yeshiva and pretty frustrated with yeshiva, and I would just start <laughs> writing during... Uh, Sheer, nice. which was actually a lot of anger in that book, actually, to think about it. Um, so there was a lot of, I mean, I did that, and I was just very frustrated. And I, I think at some point I would just start writing at about 7 in the morning, go till 9, and just stop. 
I was very disciplined then. I just wrote. And I mean, the possibilities were so great, I guess, uh, in terms of what you can do with a story and what you can and have to do. But I would just try to get it down, mm -hmm. similar to how I do with journalism, actually. And just let it come, I guess, in many ways. Interesting. And then sort of think about that afterwards. And I remember that uh, there's a lot of, when I look back on the book, I mean, it's it's a novel told in stories. Uh, when it, I, I'm represented by Writer's House, a really great agent by the name of Lee Feldman. Um, and when we were pen, sending it to the bigger publishers like Random House and Double or Random House and... Uh, and Knopf and mm -hmm. FSG and the main publisher Scribner, we built it sort of as a, a novel told in stories, okay. like the uh, the book that won the Pulitzer Prize. I think it was, uh, well, actually, there wasn't a final, there wasn't a winner this year, but the last year's winner, which was A Visit from the Goon Squad by Jennifer Egan, which is a, a novel told in story. So we built it like that. And a lot of the times when I would look back on the story collection, there are a lot of elements that I didn't really know where they came from. Like there's a... a, a as it's, I believe that the first novel that's based on semi-autobiographical first novel, usually called a romantically, I'm mispronouncing it, where it's loosely based on something in your own life, and there are some scenes that take place in Israel. Mm. Uh, some what I would hopefully come across as haunting scenes about like looking down the rooftop of uh, Machane Yehuda of this uh, small bar, which is actually based on some places I visited back in my day. <laughs> um, and you you wonder and you look back and you don't really know where those elements came from. Those certain scenes. Interesting. There's um, there's 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 always an element um, of the personal, the the first person in in what you're going to be writing. I wonder um, how you know, especially in this piece in Tablet, where you shift, which I thought was a, a remarkable way of of approaching the topic in general. But but how challenging was that for you as a writer to first approach it, let's say, as a reporter dealing with just the facts, and then turning it into that first person narrative? I first met. Well, the genesis of this story was actually relatively interesting. I, I had read, I'm going to give some background about how I ended up coming to the story. I had been uh, a New York correspondent for the Jewish press for a short period of time, and I was picking up some local newspapers to try to figure out some new angles for stories. And there was an article in the Jewish Star, actually, our old newspaper, mm -hmm. about eating disorders. And uh, from there, I just was interested in how it affects orthodoxy. And I started making some phone calls. Uh, specifically, the article was geared around this meeting that Renfrew, the Renfrew Treatment Center. Right. So I started making phone calls about it. And um, one story I ended up doing about it was uh, about a recent study that came out in Israel about the rate of eating disordered or disordered, excuse me, the, the term for non-specific eating disorder is disordered eating. Really? Uh, yeah. It's, huh. When they say disordered eating, eating disorder, they're actually two different things. Eating disorders mainly, I, I could be mistaken on this, refer to anorexia and bulimia and binge eating, whereas disordered eating usually implies, uh, it can include, I think, eating disorder, but it usually implies a broader range, let's say, uh, different eating patterns and things like that. You have, over your career, touched on and have dealt with a number of very difficult, sensitive, horrifying stories, whether it was abuse um, and it, about you know, a or, or or this. What, what has been the most challenging story? You know, that's a very good question. I think a lot of the reason why I got into journalism was because, I mean, as a religious individual or as a very religious individual as I was at the time I started writing, those issues really bothered me. And, mm. I mean, at the time, I, my first article started appearing 
was right at the cusp of when uh, the sexual abuse problems inside the Orthodox community came to light. And I was really blessed in that I was able to uh, be there when this was happening. And also, I mean, I would say the best reporter, I mean, hands down, the best reporter about the subject was Hella Winston. And it is still Hella Winston who writes for the Jewish Week. And I was very, very blessed to uh, and fortunate to meet her. And she eventually became a sort of mentor to me. Mm. And we're still actually in touch. And I may be doing another story on uh, another famous sexual abuse case inside the Jewish community, uh, which she'll be providing me information for. I mean... She mainly just gave me the story, helped me learn how to write those stories, and Mayer was obviously brave enough to publish them at the time. Um, in terms of difficulty, this is kind of what I got into. I mean, this is why I would read Hello Winston's article uh, in, I guess it was 2008 maybe, about the uh, first sexual, big sexual abuse case. I mean, it's not the first, but one of the first to restart the whole the whole self-investigation, the whole investigation about Joel Engelman and... Uh, the Sotmer School United Talmudic Academy. And like when I, I read those articles, it was sort of this realization that I, I wanted to do something about this. So when I finally ended up doing stories on sexual abuse with uh, the help of everyone involved, I mean, that was a really gratifying feeling because it was something I wanted to talk about. In terms of sheer difficulty, I mean, there's a lot of emotion invested in a lot of the stories you're telling and you're writing about are very demanding. It's mm. demanding to write about them. It's demanding to think about them. Right. Um, I think in, in some points you become somewhat callous about it. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I remember I met this girl who, who, who confided in me how she was sexually abused by her brother in, in a rather vicious way. And like you kind of at some point, you, there's just too much of it already. I mean, uh, what I was really happy to do uh, when... I first started the Jewish Star, Mayor and I did a story on Michael Sabo, a man in Brooklyn who was accused of severely sexually abusing several children. Right. And we had the accusation and we had spoken to the father of the boy who was abused, one of the father one of the one of his victims, and we spoke to him and we published and we did a lot of research on the story and Michael Sabo in fact called me to talk about it. Mm. Which is really no one ever does that. Right. But I had sent out emails on Facebook to his friends, and he had found my number and called me, and we actually talked about it. Uh, he denied everything, obviously, but he also hinted that he may have been molested as a child, and which later came out in his defense, uh, in his defense, when he pled guilty recently, and admitted to having molested several boys and girls, that he had been sexually abused as a child. Mm. Are you surprised? And not to cut you off, but are you surprised that people are still? Um, shocked that we, as an as the Orthodox community, still deal with real issues that face the, the the secular world, the real world, all the time. I mean, we're not. We like to think ourselves that we're insular. Yeah, we do. And and are you still? I mean, you're you've seen it. You've seen it. You've reported it. Are people? I understand people are still surprised. I I get that because it's just safer to think that so, way. But are you surprised when people like look at you like, really, this is going on here? So thankfully, I think that that isn't the perception so much anymore. I mean, really? Rabbi David Goldwasser, uh, who's right. I, uh, one of the comments on the tablet piece I, I I wrote was that oh, like why are you talking to the most well-known people? Like you talked to Rabbi Goldwasser, Iris Sacker, Dr. Iris Sacker, who are the big names about eating disorders inside the Jewish community. Um, but I mean, they, they're the big names for a very good reason. They talk a lot about these right. issues. 
I think the perception is not, um, I mean, I'm not surprised that these issues come up. They come up in every community. I'm surprised by the lackadaisical and generally poor response inside the Jewish community mm. to dealing with these issues. I mean, most recently there was a sexual abuse case in the Bubbaver camp. Not a sexual abuse case, excuse me. There was a uh, a convicted sex offender um, ended up trespassing onto the Bubbaver camp property, Camp Shalva. And no one really knows what he did there. He, he was known to walk into the boys' bunks. Uh, his name is Joel Oberlander, I believe. Um, and the Bubbaver camp didn't call the police until 36 hours afterwards. Mm. Um, and I think it was already reported by the, it was excuse me already reported to the police by uh, an advocacy agency, Survivors for Justice. Uh, ben Hirsch runs that organization. Right, I spoke right. to. Uh, one of the stories, going back to your original question about about a hard story to write, is that when I was doing uh, the story, the follow up story on Michael Sabo, who pled guilty only several months ago to the charges and probably will spend the rest of his life in prison. I mean, I just as a side note, I. He's clearly the victim of some traumatic sexual injury, mm. and I think that like that's part of who he is. So when I was doing the stories, the whole I, story is tragic. It's From soup horrific. To nuts, it is yeah. tragic. When I was doing the story, though, I mean, S- Michael uh, Sabo struck me sort of as, as an individual who's very like troubled. What I met at the court case where his uh, his father tried to follow me to the elevator. It was right. very interesting. A, I was about to say that's a crazy story in and of itself. Yeah, but that but that wasn't the crazy part for me. The crazy part for me was meeting the father of one of his victims. Mm. Um, and I, I met this guy, and he was carrying uh, teshuva responsa that allowed him that he said gave him permission to testify in court against Sabo. And then he, he gave me this off the cuff amazing sentence that to me it just I mean not amazing it just boggled my mind how we could ever come to this point when he said. Um, yeah, he had abused my daughters, but I didn't think it was a big deal because they would get over it. But when he abused my sons, I thought I, I thought I had to go take oh, some action. Oh my! I mean, the Orthodox community's general. I mean, I don't want to issue a blanket statement. I mean, there's a current uh, controversy about Metzitza Bepe right now, right? Which is um, the sheer amount of denial that's been going on about the issue is just mind-boggling. We have all these defenses by, let's say, Assemblyman Dove Heiken is saying that we, that Orthodox Jews, care so much about their children, but we're not even considering the issue. There's just, we're refusing to admit that these could lead to problems and serious issues. And I think that's sort of what we've seen all over. I think it's getting much better. Um, in my article, I do note how when I was doing research for this story, um, the general response I got was simply that like, that's not a new topic. Why do you want to talk about it? Like, uh, we're dealing with it, which right. I think is actively true. I, I was mean, about to say, there, to me, that is a, a silver lining, almost. We are talking about it. The fact she, that the conversation is taking place, the fact that you're adding to the conversation that already exists, to me, is such a good, is such a positive sign that we are moving in the right direction because education is where it begins. I was, I was telling someone that um, when 20 years ago, and I'm, sick that I get to say this, but 20 years ago when I was in high school. Lies. We, no, unfortunately it's not. Um, the We watched videos in high school about bulimia and anorexia and how to identify it and seeing it in your friends and looking for things, you know, in yourself. Are you doing this? But they were videos that we watched. We didn't necessarily have conversations about it. I didn't, I didn't come home and talk about it. Not that I wasn't sharing, but it just, for lack of a better word, it didn't come up. So I think that 
the fact that this is now a conversation that we are having. It's a current conversation. It's things we talk to our kids about. We talk to our kids, and actually this segues into having Naomi Nachman on in a couple of minutes, but we talk to our kids about healthy eating, about comfortable relationships with food, healthy relationships with food. It's all part of this bigger picture of, of conversations that we weren't, well, we didn't initially have. We didn't feel the need to have, and now are coming back out there, and I think I think that's really important. You're listening to That's Life on the Nachum Siegel stream. I am Miriam L. Wallach here at the home office of the Nachum Siegel Networks on the Lower East Side. I'm joined by Michael Orbach uh, discussing a number of interesting topics. Um, just as Avrami is keeping tabs on me, you and I only have a couple of minutes left. Tell me where the book is heading and tell me what you're working on now. So the book... Um so the big publishers didn't pick up the book. We had a Their lot of loss. Oh, thank you, Mary. And we had a lot of encouraging responses, though, which indicated that they, I mean, point. They said that it's a bit too hard to push a short story collection from an unknown writer. Okay. Uh, some very good responses, though, which I think uh, I think Atlantic uh, Grove Atlantic, rather, which is actually the publisher of Samuel Beckett. Nice. Yeah, uh, gave me a really encouraging response. That's yuchus. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we had two choices at that point. You can either, and this was last about actually October time or before I left to Israel, we could either try to pitch it to the smaller publishers, uh, which uh, are generally more receptive to works that have a limited commercial appeal, or we can go to the bigger publishers with a novel. And since I already had an idea for a novel, um, uh, that we decided to choose, choose the latter re- reaction. And that's what I've been working on so far, uh, relatively slowly. And mm. sadly, relatively slowly. <laughs> it's not I, slow. It's not sad. You've been working on other things. You're working at the at NCSY right now. Yeah, I'm actually, uh, it's a, just another thing, though. I, I've actually been quite fortunate to work with uh, NCSY and the Orthodox Union. If I'm sure many of your listeners have received the copy, this month copy of Jewish Action. Which is fantastic, by the way. Okay. and Ignite. In that issue was NCSY's Ignite magazine, right. um, which is the brainchild of Divi Stoller, the uh, director of marketing, I think, for, the, for NCSY, who's amazing and spectacular and uh, knew what he wanted from the magazine. I and have to have him on. Everyone you keeps really talking should. about him. I have not had him on yet. Do you know that uh, they actually the Jewish Channel, Stephen Weiss of the Jewish Channel just did a their weekly roundup and they did a, a piece on Edom Pin, Pinchot. Pinchot, right. Pinchot. Mm-hmm. Uh, America's, the, got, America's talent. got Talent. And the person who oddly enough discovered him was none other than Dovi Stoller. No, I'm t- I gotta have this guy on. He's, uh, I have he's, to have him on. I hear amazing things about him and um, I feel like we've had a lot of Wonderful people on from the OU and from NCSY in the last couple of weeks. He's, we talked uh, about YouthCon. He's he's I have to, a very remarkable individual. He's a marketing genius. I would have to say. I mean, he. It's amazing when you work with someone who knows exactly what they want from you. Like we actually we disagreed on certain points of ignite. A lot of the stories we were writing tended to go a little bit. My my stories tend to go very long, and he insisted that the format of ignite is to be very quick deep reading, hmm. and we have to cut a lot of stories. So we did that, and I think it worked out really well. I mean, there's. I think the best story that I think people were talking about is a story about Aviv Kleinman, oh, who yeah. uh, lost his mother, and uh, NCSY and uh, several individuals in the Jewish community came together to help raise $18,000 for him in several hours to fly his mother to Israel for a funeral, which uh, was very good. I would yeah. highly recommend Divi also does stand-up. So. so I heard that also from Rabbi David Pashevkin, who we mm-hmm. had on as well. Ah. Uh, Yes. Anyway, I, Avrami is giving me the sign because you and I could sit here and talk forever, and I would love to have you back on. But, Michael, I need to thank you for coming. And plus, Thank you for having me. Yeah, you got to get back to the OU. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I still it is, have work today. I was about to say it is still the middle of the day. Anyway, Michael Orbach, thank you for Miriam, joining me. thank you for having me. A pleasure. We will talk again soon. You've been listening to That's Life on the Nachum Siegel stream. We are going to shift.
We're going to take a, uh, a sharp turn, I'd like to say, sometimes, to talking with Naomi Nachman, and actually, and her daughter, who uh, is going to join us on the air a little bit. Naomi, who is known as the Aussie Gourmet, has joined us here before. She uh, has been a guest host on the QVC TV network. She is just phenomenal, because if nothing else, I just love talking, hearing her talk, because I'll tell you something. I, come on. Say I'm, something. I'm, I'm, I'm being... I'm, I'm blushing. I'm blushing. <laughs> There's nothing like that accent. There is just Thank nothing you. like it. You know that it, you could just have a show with you I, saying absolutely nothing. Thank you. Even Thank though you. there's obviously always content, but frankly, you don't really need it. And you've been, uh, you've been, you started the Kosher Culinary Institute under the auspices of the JCC in Greater Five Towns. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, no? Oh, okay. Yes, you know, yes. whatever. <laughs> How's the, How was Camp Dina this Camp summer? Camp Dina was amazing. I taught like thousands of girls. Oh, that's cool. You know, I was thinking about it when we were, Hundreds. Just, we were just talking to Michael about the eating about yeah. eating issues and comfortable relationships with food. food. I have to imagine working with girls over the summer, you see a lot of... Uh, I see a lot of tradition noodle soups come out. <laughs> really? Yeah, you'd be surprised. A lot of MSG? Yeah, I can't get over that. But <laughs> being a foodie... Right. But um, yeah, look, you know, you got to start them young. You know, I've got teenagers and I've got um, a four-year-old. So, you know, people say to me, your four-year-old eats so well. But I said, because she eats with adults. But my yes. adult, my children that are young adults now, Gabriella, my 14-year-old is sitting right next to me. <laughs> um, you know, I started them off at the age of two years old eating salmon and cut up vegetables. Right. When you come home from school, not here's a packet of chips. Trust me, I still buy the packet of right. chips and there's nothing like a packet of chips. There's room for chips. There's room for yeah. everything, yes. but it's all about moderation. Agreed. I and can't stand diets that kill off certain food groups. No. Tell people you cannot have any of this. No carbs. You can't have a carb. Or have but a you dairy. You have a carb. How about dairy? You can't have any dairy. Or no butter. You've got to have a little butter. <laughs> My daughter, right. My daughter right now is on this no dairy kick. Absolutely oh. no dairy. She is, as she likes to say, she is in a constant state of flashix. I said to her, I said to her on Shabbos, I said, I said, you better pay attention to the clock now because as a vegetarian, I haven't been flashix in years. So I said, right. you better. I said, don't come to me, must say Shabbos, and say what time did we finish lunch because I won't remember. And she looks at me, she goes, Ma, I'm in a constant state of flashix. I don't That's, care anymore what she time doesn't I'm like looking. dairy. No, or she, she just she, you know she has a medical issue. Neither. She read something and re- started reading up about. Um, you know, the school of thought that dairy is not good for you. And so she has turned to almond milk and soy milk and different okay. things. And I'm being supportive, and I think that's great. And she's being responsible about it, et cetera. How, and she, how old is she? She's of high school age. Okay, great. Um, And she's, again, she's being responsible about it. And I totally have her back. I'm here to support her. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, I was 14 when I stopped eating meat, so who am I to sit here and shake a stick at anybody? Weird. But, um, but yeah, I, I just... There's something about killing off certain food groups, which right. again, by the way, brings us back to what I wanted to talk to you today, which is to about you today. I don't even know if I got those words <laughs> no, out. No, you got it in. Uh, Rami's like, in. no, you didn't. You just totally fumbled that. <laughs> but anyway, all right. you're all right. That's all right. Um, healthy lunches. When we send our kids to school, and many of us still make lunches, there are, are hot lunch programs that are v- available yeah. at numerous different yeshivas, and that's great. I opt out of those for numerous different reasons. One is because it's just a lot of money, and right. I, I don't want to spend it. I really don't I, want to spend I'm, it. I'm with you there. And um, then on the second hand is that I'd rather serve the, my kids meals that I know are nutritionally valuable from all different food groups. So, you know, it's great when you go with these school lunches because it, 
being a little pricey, you're saving yourself a lot of time. Right. If you want something healthy, so the onus unfortunately becomes on us. Mm-hmm. I've been making my husband lunch. We've been married for a little over 19 years, almost every day for 19 years. That's I make him really, really a packed sweet. lunch. When he was in law school um, in Manhattan and at NYU, he, there was no really um, – right. I mean, there was an NYU kosher cafeteria, but that was really expensive and we were both young students at the time. So, you know, I basically made him a sandwich every day and I think I've kept that up for 19 That's years now. That's really so. cute. <laughs> Do you like put little notes in his bag? Nah. Are nah. there stickers? No, no. He, but he gets, you know, I, he gets a healthy lunch. Okay. Um, so You should know, by the way, that a friend of mine's husband lost a lot of weight and what was the first thing he did was packed his own lunch every morning. That right. Was it. So, you know, you, you, you know, he works in Midtown. There are a lot of amazing... Kosher restaurants, I'll give it, Milk and Honey is one of my favorites. Right, and Jerusalem Cafe, where we're actually hosting our network launch next Tuesday. We'll okay, talk about that. very right. nice. And there's great restaurants out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you can't leave your desk. You don't want to just open a packet of chips or buy, you know, something not healthy. Right. Um, so, you know, I try to pack him and the girls healthy lunches. Now, I'm at, my kids go to SKA uh, High School out in Long Island in um, Hewlett Neck, mm-hmm. uh, Hewlett Bay Park, I think. That's okay. You think I would know that? That's all right. Um, and, and um, you know, they do have some great healthy lunch options for the girls to buy. And I always encourage them on Thursday, I give them money to buy on salad day. But otherwise, like I try to send them like, um, you know, ro- the roll-ups, I buy them. Sure. Those are great. They're very good. You can use them as a pizza base for right. pizza. You can use them as a panini. Um, I actually toast mine up. It becomes a little like matzah, and I have tuna on it every day for lunch. Avrami wants to have it with his sardines. <laughs> very low in points. <laughs> sardines is very healthy for oh. you. Also, those sardine bones. Oh, awesome. He's showing his sardines. Yes. So let me tell you something. The sardines are now the highlight of this program today. <laughs> they have co-opted my show. <laughs> I've been taken over by sardines. But you can do a lot with that, that right. roll-up. Um, also, And you can also pack that separately. I think there's fun... So the kids assembling it on their own. Okay, so here's a whole new thing that's out there. I got this, the new Joy of Kosher just merged yes. with um, Bete Avon magazine. And I was flipping through it and I was flipping through online, preparing for our show. And I see bento box is like the latest buzzword in school lunches. Are it's you a, kidding me? Yeah, it's a Japanese, it's a Japanese lunchbox. Right. And it's got little compartments. Correct. So you used to go to like all these Japanese restaurants, you can order for dinner a bento right. box and it would come with all these cool things in it. But this is so you can pack up different snacks and lunch all inside. So, like, they had, they were showing one little container with um, hummus in it. Another little container had a bag of carrots. Another one had a whole wheat. The key word now is whole wheat right. and whole grain whole bread with a little light tuna on it with light mayo. We don't have to go with the heavy mayos anymore. You right. have so many great options. Mayonnaise. I started using the Trader Joe's low-fat mayonnaise. How much do you love Trader Joe's? I love that. Do so it has no there? sugar in it. Yeah. Really? It has no sugar in it. No, it says no no grams of sugar, zero grams of sugar. Huh. My dietitian Rachel Schindler put it on, put me onto it. Wow. Yeah. So it's um, you know, you can make your don't buy the tunas. That have a look if you read it though. Some of the pre-bought tunas that you can buy, and yes, they are delicious. They've got like eleven grams oh. of fat. You make your own, and if you want to leave out um. Uh, mayonnaise from your tuna. I say tuna. I know everybody laughs. I'll say it like an American tuna fish. Oh, I said that well, but I can't do a whole sentence. I can only do like individual words. You missed my whole Long Island accent at the beginning, but <laughs> Long, I'll tell you, Long Island. Oh, so, that was so good. I put um, I put um, 
people laugh when I do this. I put a little ketchup into it instead. I put in mustard. That's funny. Okay, yeah. mustard or ketchup. Because then you have like the Russian dressing thing going right. for it. Right. It, it makes it a little bit healthier than, you know, you're leaving out the mayo altogether. Put that in, roll it up with some tomato or lettuce in those roll-ups or your whole grain um, roll that you can get. I also put um, tomato in my salmon croquettes. Oh, my, nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Again, that little sweet. And you know I love tomatoes and onions with everything. Absolutely. You know what else is <laughs> in every great? sandwich. This is where Pesach ketchup comes in handy. Okay, why? Because that little extra sweetness, like Heinz is uh, you tartar. Think, is, you think that, yeah, you're right. They yeah. are a little sweeter. Oh, they're for sure a little bit sweeter. So you put them in there if you're really looking for that zing. It's there. So I have I have a couple of more suggestions, Good, I which I think them. which I think little kids would enjoy, like your first grader, your second grader. Put lunch on a stick. You know, like everything's you've got your cake pops, you've got pie on a stick. Now I don't know if you've seen it in all I, the, the online pops, magazines, right? and you know. So they have make your little like everything that you would find in a sandwich. Like you could um, you could do like a cheese alternating um, on a cube of cheese on a stick. Like a kebab, basically right. it's a kebab. See, I would and do that. And then you can have a yogurt dip. So you take, you pull. Oh, the that's kids, great! Pull it off the stick, dip it into the yogurt dressing, and then eat it. So you a cube of cheese. If they're going to do like a chicken and um, pickle on a stick, you could Cute. alternate cubes of pickles and cubes of chicken on a stick. You want to jazz it up, make it fun. I don't want them to, you know, if you're going to go to that little extra effort, they're going to eat it. I think that your kids would probably work really well with that. I know that my kids would. See those sticks as a sword. I'd get a phone oh, okay. call. <laughs> I have girls. You probably See, have boys, right? I only have two, but my four girls are feisty. They're like their mom. But if mommy <laughs> knows exactly what I'm talking about because he knows that at some point or another, I'd get a call. Mrs. Wallach, um, your kids have a been poking using- each other's eyes. Right. There's yeah. a sword fight going on in the lunchroom, and it's because your kids are using their- uh, uh, The kebab sticks. sticks is, right. Yeah, okay. So, you know, we'll no, have but a I little think, chat to them. Yeah, but it's- And it's you a, need to know your kid. Right. You need right. to know your kids. I think it's a cute idea for like young kids to like, you know- have something Absolutely. jazzy about. Um, you can also, for me, I find the best thing is to prepare the lunches the night before mm. because I cannot get up at, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning and start making lunches in. I like everything neatly packed. I buy these black, like they look like um, black Tupperware containers. Okay. Um, I buy them at Costco, a whole pack, and they've got clear lids and I put I label everybody's um, and they're ready to go in the fridge the night before. Um Sesame noodles is a great lunch to prepare the you night before. You can take before. sesame to, to school? I call them sesame. Well, you know, in high school, I don't think they have, you know, my kids are in SKA now, so they don't Oh, have one second. Sesame. We have a... Oh, we, Gabby. Um, they don't really have so many food rules, I don't think. Really? You know what? I Because, again, well, you know, I'm still I'm still with the youngins. Right. So in high school, my, they don't have as many. My friends are allergic to peanut, to like peanut butter and different nuts, and they're like really worried about it. Oh, okay. it's they can't really take baking. Oh, they, really? They always make peanut butter, apparently. Really? Yeah, my wow. principal's favorite food. <laughs> Rabbi Rothman's favorite food is peanut butter. That's really, really funny. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you just came back from Australia, right? Let's move you a little bit closer to that mic. Yep. All right, so what was the craziest thing you ate? I mean, if you're eating salmon since you're two, there has to be something crazy well, that you were eating. there's fish and chips. Okay. very Australian. Right. Um, there's meat pies. Meat pies. They are the best. Speak to me. What is that? Um, it's, uh, cut up meat. Like chopped meat. Chopped okay. meat. Inside this puff pastry, but it's a little more flatter. It's oh. Like thinner pastry. Yeah, it's, nice. it's, it's kind of like puff pastry, like, but it's, it has a different consistency. Okay. It's, yeah. it's and better. it's very yummy. <laughs> so, spoken like somebody who's been living at her Bubby's house for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, she just bought six back in her no suitcase. Way. We got it through customs, and it's in my fridge tonight for dinner. Meat, I, Australian meat pies. 
I have four kilo of rugelach from um, from marzipan in the shook. <laughs> really? That's so funny. Yeah, in my freezer. It got stopped at I got stopped at um, at border control for it because yeah, that was that was crazy. Do you remember our conversation about my meat from Rome that I threw out at the airport? Yes. Yeah, but you were allowed to bring in meat from Australia. And what else did you really? bring in? Yeah. Huh. Okay. What else did you bring back? Tim. I brought back Tim Tams. What are Tim Tams? What are um, they're not Tam Tams? No. No, no okay. They're, they're, right. They're okay. chocolate-coated biscuits from Australia, and they've only become kosher in the last, like, five years. Oh. They were like, can you imagine, like, Entenmann's all of a sudden becoming kosher, but yeah, only like one Oreos, brand. Like when Oreos Yeah, we all went kosher. crazy, so this was like that. They're, they're actually sold mainly in Israel. You can't you can only get them in Australia a couple of times a year. They do a kosher batch every once in a while. They send most of the shipment straight to Israel, so if you know what I'm talking about. If you've been to the candy stores in Israel, you can buy them there or the supermarkets. Rami Levy sells them. Rami Levy. <laughs> okay, so what else? That's fun. So what else? Those are the main things you brought back? And what else? Uh, I brought back barbecue sauce. Barbecue sauce? You know what? Something's from Somebody's home. craving I'm, home. Look at I'm, you. I'm here for 20 years. I still like my eat a barbecue sauce. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know, the Americans go to Israel. My daughter just left the seminary, my you oldest daughter. You can take daughter. a girl out of Sydney. Yeah. You can't take the Sydney, Sydney out, out of, of the girl. Right. Right. And, 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 you know, she took a few creature comforts from home that right. she likes. You know, you always want what you grew up with. I'm telling you that every time I come back from Israel and, like, people see me packing my bags with something, they look at me and they say, you know, there's kosher food in New York. I'm like, there's kosher food in New York, but there's nothing like what you can get here. I know. And if, you know, it's something about the food from Israel you bring home, yeah, you bring back it's to. A little bit, it's a little bit of home, real home. Real home. So what else we got on that list? Okay, so I thought, you know, we right now we're in the coming into fall and, we you know, we you know can have noodles for lunch or I've even made, my kids will have um, packed up leftovers from the night before. Like if I have like um, schnitzel. Nice. Um, some Israeli salad because that will keep overnight. So I'll pack that up for lunch for them for the next day. That's also a good tip, by the way, that Israeli salad is something you can prepare in advance. But, and, and it can be packed up the night before. Cabbage salad also. If your right. kids will eat cabbage salad, you can do that the night before. But you know what's really great? And I was I found this online. I can't take my own credit for it. As as we come into winter, you've got um, winter. thermoses. Winter. Sorry. <laughs> um, you, <laughs> you can. You I'm can not laughing do, at you. I know you're laughing along with me. Yes. Um, well, but you can do. You, yeah, she's laughing of, at yeah, me. Yeah, a little okay, bit. Okay, I'm go sorry. on. Go right ahead. You and every other American. Um, so you can pack up in a thermos. Why not get a thermos? A nice big thermos. Meatballs and noodles go in a thermos oh, nicely. Oh, nice. Ravioli with some sauce and cheese can go in a thermos. Soup, a thick minestrone soup that you've made the night before. Heat some up in the morning quickly, throw it in the thermos as they get on the bus. You know, like it's... it's. What's qu- your husband's favourite lunch that you make for him? <laughs> okay, so yesterday, I'm going to take credit for yesterday's lunch. I had some Shabbos leftovers. Okay. I had taken some um, thin chicken cutlets. I mixed some ketchup and mayo together. And I dipped it in flavored panko crumbs. You know, I the, love panko. The ones from Israel, you know, that Pereg brand, sure. the classic. So I kind of dipped it in there and I baked it on a parchment paper for, at 350 degrees for like 20 minutes tops. And I served it for Shabbos lunch. And it was a big hit, but I made a lot of it. Mm. So I had a whole bunch. And after we ate some for Sunday night dinner, I'm like, I still had a ton left. Whatever I do with Sunday night's leftovers, go in a wrap for my husband's lunch the next day. Smart. And I, he loved it. He called me up. And he, he, you know, he called you up he to thank you for lunch? Up, but he does it often. Isn't he so oh, nice? Oh, my so cool. God. So he, he sent he sent me, a, either he'll text me or he'll call me and go, the lunch was terrific. So he really liked it. And he's not a huge fan of the schnitzel thing. So I put some schnitzel. I, I think I put a little honey mustard in those wraps. I cut them down. I cut the schnitzel down in half and I rolled it nicely into a wrap. He loved it. 
Oh, you know, and he just, called to say thank you? He goes, and he goes, I really love that lunch today. I'm like, great. Here's more chicken for dinner. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, you know, we had chicken meatballs. First of all, kudos <laughs> kudos to all of that. Kudos to the fact that you're making him lunch. Kudos to the, the fact that he's saying thank you. Not that my husband doesn't say thank you for things like that, even though obviously I'm leading on to the, I, you could assume that my, from the way I'm speaking <laughs> and how shocked I am that I'm never getting a thank you, even though that is clearly not the case. It's but nevertheless, right, but nevertheless, that's really, yeah. really I get, I get nice. nice. I get nice. Yes, lunch was today was really good. Sometimes I get a text like. I'm happy with a fine, though. I don't need major accolades, but when I get like, oh, that was fine. I'm like, all right, a good. All right. Like Acknowledgement. Acknowledgement exactly. is nice. No, sometimes they'll say it wasn't enough, and I feel bad. You know, oh. like, uh, that's why sometimes I'll make extra and, you know, hope he doesn't eat everything. Um, right. But, you know, even for him, snacks. For the kids also, um, little bags of carrots, little um, fruit, dried Dried fruit is also a good one. Dried and mango keep- is the biggest thing in my house. It's delicious. I, I can't keep it. it I, are you? You're laughing because Gub, Gubby yeah, likes I love it. 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 What is it about dried mango? I don't. And I also like dried strawberries. Right. Gabby, can you tell what? Tell everyone what we call fruit at home. What do we call fruit at home? You know. Uh-oh. You know. She's she, she's been away she's, in camp say, jet lag, and in jet Australia. Lag. Right. Oh, we call it Hashem's candy. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, Fruit is Hashem's yeah. candy. Okay. Now you're putting me over. You know, edge. people say, "Can you make me a sugar-free <laughs> dessert?" And you Hashem's know, candy is a gummy bear. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> you can't pick that off a tree. No, and everyone should know, by the way, that if you're looking in front of me, little bag of nuts. Bag well of done, Miriam. We always. always with my I got so into camp this summer. We're all me and all the married staff. We're always like trying to watch weight because right. the, the chef Peril Lichter is amazing cook, and we were all trying to make sure we didn't eat too much of her delicious food. We all became obsessed with nuts as a mm-hmm. snack. So I had like six kinds of nuts in my bungalow, and right. I, you know. I was always very mindful of the kids with allergies. I would always wash my hands before I left my bungalow after having a little handful of snack. But nuts is a really, you know, I don't know how many you're allowed. I don't know the, you know. It's like 20 or 30. Yeah. As, as a snack. As a but that's a serving. good thing that I, you know, my husband will keep at work or, you know, my kids, I don't know if they're going to take nuts to school because we, you know, maybe they'll take sesame noodles, but I'm not sure if they'll take nuts. I keep almonds in my car. It's just that's a, a great. And yeah. they don't spoil. They don't spoil. But they do get a little stale. If they do get stale, little quick tip, put them in oven. oven perk them up in the oven and right. they release their own natural oils so they don't they'll they'll um re-crisp themselves so to speak but don't overdo it because there's nothing worse than a burnt nut yeah i, <laughs> I agree that and burnt garlic oh yeah burnt garlic is terrible <laughs> but it's funny i mean i don't i go through the nuts fast enough in my car right they don't get stale um which we can talk about my nut quantity another time but um i was going to ask you in segueing, obviously we're not going to be talking about nuts in terms of yuntif cooking, but mm. it's a little scary to say. I mean, it doesn't. I know it's next week. Two yeah. weeks. Two weeks. It's, I don't know. It is around the, the corner. corner. I know. I know. El, I, can't I mean, El, I'm about to eat a nut on the air. That's probably bad. Aram, you want to take my bag? Um, no. He's like, no. Be an adult. Put them next to you. Don't eat the food. Um, <laughs> eat, eat, eat. And, I, and by the way, can we just note that there's a box of popums here? But no one's eating them. Well, I'm not eating them. I was going for the almonds. <laughs> that is the choice I was making. I was going for the almonds. But let's talk a little bit about Yuntif because okay. people who are listening are already in gear. We've been listening to the show for a I've had right. some calls for orders already. It's, you know, we're in Yuntif mode. I'm like, thank you. People who are interested in orders yep. can contact me through my website, um, www.theaussiegourmet.com. Right, not with Z's. Yeah, A-U-S-S-I-E. So it's T-H-E-A-U-S-S-I-E.com. Did there that sound American or Australian? Um, I think we missed gourmet. The did I say the uh, it's the AussieGourmet.com. Right. Okay. Did I say Aussie.com? No, that's a sun cream. <laughs> that's sun cream commercial. 
Uh, you'll get the Aussie hair shampoo. You oh. want the Aussie gourmet. Right. T-H-E-A-U-S-S-I-E-G-O-U-R-M-E-T.com. There you go. There you go. That's I the got, whole thing. Don't even know my own words. So, so what are you preparing? I'm going to be preparing, okay, make a great salad with pomegranate seeds mm. in it with jicama, mango, red onion, and in the dressing I put in pomegranate juice. So it's oh, sweet nice. and tart. If you don't eat vinegar on Rosh Hashanah, the pomegranate, the pomegranate juice gives it that, that Acidity, tart taste right. that vinegar replaces. If you do eat vinegar, you use apple vinegar, apple cider vinegar. Oh, cute. Apples. Right. I try to make everything with apples. I'm going to be making nice. an apple crunch, and I stop making my crunch with margarine because it's not healthy. I use one cup whole wheat flour, one cup white sugar, half a cup of canola oil. Makes a great crunch. Wow. Mix it a little with a fork and then and then pitch it with your fingers. You get a great crumb topping. You can use that on challah, on your strusel challah toppings. Oh, that's great. Um, making some round braided challah. Inside your round braided challah will be cool if you could stuff in some apples. Huh. Little chopped up apples with cinnamon and sugar, little lemon juice in it, so it stops it from going brown. And you put that in the middle of the dough, and you, you know, when you cut into there, sounds challah. like a strudel. Yeah, but it's challah. It's I call it my apple challah. And it's funny because I make a challah only on Rosh Hashanah. Also, that like that's my that is my Rosh Hashanah challah. Like, yeah, it's, it's, I don't it's make it special any other time for. Yeah, also it's weird. Do you do the, Do you do all the uh, all the simanim at your table also? Okay, no, I don't know why I never. I do want to get into it. I just haven't. I made something called siman fish, yeah. which is different um, simanim from the you know chart of that that you get. It's got leeks and carrots and stuff. Um, and then you, that makes the sauce of the fish. Um, I can. I think that's actually on my website. Oh, you can great. look for that. That, um, that sounds Simon fish or sweet and sour tilapia. I'm not sure what it's actually called on the website. That but. sounds fantastic, and I actually look forward to checking out that recipe and, and including all the, everything else you got going on on that on that website. The Aussie with two S's, not Aussie, and the word gourmet. Yes, the AussieGourmet.com. Naomi Nachman, thank you so much for joining me. Gabriella, thank you for coming down. Thank you for having me. A total pleasure. And by the way, for somebody who's jet lagged, you look pretty good. <laughs> I know it's a, it's a like 28 hour flight, so that she is did good. That's unbelievable. I hope you will come back. I yes. love when you come down. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> An absolute pleasure. Good to everyone. Oh, wow. Okay, now <laughs> I'm in panic mode. You've been listening to That's Life on the Nachum Siegel stream. I'm Miriam El Wallach. Thank you, as always, for making me a part of your day. Join Nachum Monday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. as he hosts Jamie the AM Live here on the stream at NachumSiegel.com, as well as tomorrow morning and, um, and every morning from Monday through Friday. I don't know why I just read it that way. On 91.1 FM and on 90.1 FM in the Catskills, don't miss Saturday Night Seagull, hosted by our one and only Avrami Finkelstein, who is waving to you, though you cannot see him. I can see him. Live here on the stream at 10 p.m. at NachumSiegel.com. This show will be rebroadcast tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., as well as on Sunday on NachumSiegel.com. Thank you to author and journalist, Michael Orbach, and to Naomi Nachman, the Aussie Gourmet. Again, you can reach her at theaussiegourmet.com. Thanks to Avrami, my partner in crime here at That's Life. Thanks to Yael Lassen, my fearless intern. And if you did not hear Nachum's announcement or my announcement this week or my begging you to join us, come by, say hi, because we really want to meet as many listeners as possible, as many people who are members of the fan club and are are, are fans of everything that Nachum does, and for good reason, please join us at the official launch next week of the Nachum Siegel Network, Tuesday, September 4th, from 6 to 9 a.m., hosted by our friends at Jerusalem Cafe. It's everything about J2 that you love that moved to 35 West 36th Street, complete with a live JM in the AM free giveaways, and, of course, Nachum, Tuesday, September 4th, from 6 to 9 a.m. If you have any questions, you want to know more, you can email me, 
at Miriam at dear at deerthatslife.com or Miriam at NahumSiegel.com. And as always, I thank Yossi Zweig for the beautiful uh, Nahum Siegel no- Network logo that he designed. It's really, we've been getting a lot of fantastic feedback about it. I leave you today with Lipa's Chatzais Rice. It's really a great song and it has a great vibe and it gives a little extra show for blowing during Elul. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. <laughs>
Thank you.